here today. It's a joy to be alive. It's a joy to be here. It's a pleasure to share the time together. It is a blessing to be able to spend time in worship together. I want you to think about a passage in Matthew chapter 8. If you recognize Matthew 8, it's because it follows immediately after Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'm not just offering you a math lesson today, but Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are noted as we typically call it the Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus gave that great oration that we've studied, we've recited, we've, we've drawn from, we've taught from again and again and again because there is so much material there and it is such a powerful lesson. And we notice at the very end of the chapter that the people were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one, not like the other teachers they had in the street places, the marketplace, the scribes, the Pharisees and others, but he taught as one who knew what he was talking about, one with authority who could stand behind what he was saying. So people were amazed at him. And Jesus' reputation had begun to grow and develop so much. And throngs of people had gathered around him in this place and other places. And we find at the beginning of chapter 8, the beginning of chapter 8, in the first four verses of that, this idea and a question there, if you are willing, you can. If you're willing, you can. So turning to the passage we have, when he had come down, When he had come down from the mountain, so there we are, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him. Notice that. A leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed, and Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Might be a simple passage. Might be something that was repeated many times in the ministry of Jesus. We have no idea how many people he healed along the way. But I think this one is interesting because of the statements that are made there. And maybe that's why Matthew included this. Maybe it was because Jesus was at this this great pinnacle and he was there and people were thronging to hear what he had to say. And he comes down from the mountain. What is he confronted with but a guy with leprosy? The pitiful of society. The ones that people didn't want to see, didn't want to touch, didn't want to talk to, ostracized, pushed out, avoided at at, at all cost. But I want you to think about the question, and that's where we are. And it's stated not so much as a question, but as an opportunity, almost like a command. For he says, if you are willing, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You know, we we deal with questions like that a lot. We may not use that exact statement there, but when we we think about it, we recognize the question or the statement is is made quite often when we confront somebody and we say, "Uh, by the way, will you do me a favor? Will you do me a favor? Hmm. Think about it. Think about it. We we ask that question. When we ask it, we generally expect that we're going to get a positive response, that people are going to do what's being asked of them, or we probably wouldn't ask the question in the first place. But we we put it out there, so would you do me a favor today? Husbands say to wives, wives say to husbands, would you do me a favor today? We never ask it of the kids because they won't. Oh, that's not nice. 
But we do that to people quite often. Would you do me a favor? Hold that door for me, would you? Would you do me a favor and pick that up for me? Would, would you do me a favor today? And whatever is on there, regardless of what is involved in complying, we generally expect that it's going to happen or we probably wouldn't ask the question. But I think about it, sometimes we don't even ask the question and it's out there. It's well more than 20 years ago, and I don't mean to embarrass him, but Josh called me after church one, late one evening and he was having, having a problem with his car. It was stuck. Needed some help. Just needed some help. But his car it was stuck. It happens sometimes. If he wants to tell the details on it, he can, but I'm not going to do that. But, you know, at the time I didn't have the insurance to to call a, a wrecker, and I didn't want to pay for a wrecker to come and get, the, get him and pull it, pull it out, get him back up on the road again, get him going again. I didn't want to do that because that's going to cost me a lot of money, and I knew he didn't have the money to do that, and so we just went to check it out. thought, well, maybe it could be, you know, it's down here where it needs to be pulled out. It's stuck, and we'll, we'll try to pull it out, but I didn't have the vehicle to pull it out, I didn't think. And I'm standing there, and we're standing there talking about it and everything, and there's a fellow in a, in a pickup truck nearby, and, he's, and he didn't offer to pull it out. I want you to know that. He's standing around, and he's looking at it and saying, yeah, it needs to be pulled out. Well, I've got a friend that's got a pickup that could probably pull that out. Probably cost you about $20 for him to come out here and do that. And I said, well, that'd be nice if he'd come out here and do that. I'll gladly give him $20 to come pull the car out. And he said, well, you need a, a tow strap. Well, before I left, I'd called a friend that I thought might have a tow chain, and uh, he didn't have one. So I'd stopped, picked up a tow strap to pull the, pull the thing out if we got the opportunity. Anyway... Talk to the guy. He says, he said, my friend said he'll be around a little later if he, when he gets a chance. And I'm thinking, that doesn't sound very promising. And so we wait around and we talk for a good while. Am I telling the story correctly? I want to tell the story right. It's close. It's close. Anyway, we wait around. And finally, there's a friend, the friend that I actually called for the tow chain that didn't have one, came driving up. And he pulled up in his pickup. And he said, oh, we can pull it out. I said, if you got, and I got a tow strap. He hooked it onto his truck. He pulled it out. It was nothing after that. Pretty easy. Came out pretty quickly. No problem. Got Josh up and going. Got him home again. Told him, don't do that again. But anyway, that's just the way it is sometimes. Just the way it is sometimes. But the thing that struck me is he, there was a guy who was in a truck who had the ability to do it, knew we needed help, but he wasn't about to do it. Calls his friend that would, we were willing to pay to do it. And he still won't do it. Kind of sounds like a familiar story, doesn't it? But then we've got the guy who comes out and says, listen, you need some help. I'll gladly do it. If you are willing, you can. If you are willing. Now, not everybody's always able to do something like that. But over the years, I've recognized how valuable that was for somebody to come out and do what he was able and willing to do, even without being asked. And it may, it may often seem to be a small thing, but if we reflect on how many times we've needed something, and again, it may have been small or it may have been large, but the size is immaterial. The size of the task is immaterial at this point. It is the heart that is the matter. It is the heart of the person, the willingness of the person to do that's there. For how many times have we reached to another person to receive a favor or simply had it handed to us? It is simply the reality, I think, of what we often call the golden rule in the teaching of Jesus. 
that you do unto others as you would have done to you. Wouldn't you have wanted somebody to pull you out? Wouldn't you have been the one who said, man, if I can, I'm going to do this for them. Wouldn't we do that? I think there is a part of us that says, I want to cling to that and I want to hold to that golden rule. I believe there is within us. Maybe from our teaching, from the time we're children, or Sunday school, or wherever we have received it, that general idea that we ought to be kind to others. We ought to do what we can to benefit and help others along the way. And so to the story. Here comes Jesus from the mountain and the teaching, multitudes of people, and then there's the leper. The leper. And the leper comes to him and says, will you do for me what I know you can do? That weren't his exact words, but that's it. Will you do for me what I know you can do? There is one main thing that this leper wants. There is one thing that he wants. And he makes it very plain and he sets it out there before Jesus and anyone else who can hear it. If you are willing, you can make me clean. You can cleanse me. You can get rid of this leprosy. Perhaps he has heard, maybe he's seen that Jesus has the ability. He's been healing people. Prior to this great oration on the mountain, he had begun healing people. People had been coming to him. You go back to chapter 4 and we find that people were brought to him and he was healing these people right and left. But when this man comes to him, it's not just happenstance. It's not just by accident. It's not just that Jesus came walking by and he was there. It seems to be a very purposefully driven opportunity for he goes to Jesus with the desire. He goes to Jesus with the opportunity. And when he makes his statement, his unique statement, it calls upon the desire of Jesus. Notice how he states it. If you are willing... If you are willing. But it also states a confident faith in Jesus. If you are willing, you can. Boy, how we need that, don't we? Boy, how we need that in our prayers. Boy, how we need that to recognize in our lives. Boy, how we need to recognize that just generally in the world today. If he is willing, he can. God is able. We hear it again and again throughout the scriptures. We recognize it. But do we really hold on to it and believe it? That's another story, I guess. But this man stated a confidence in Jesus. You can do this. And then Jesus is quick to respond. He's quick to respond. He doesn't ask the man about anything else. Are you a faithful servant? Are you one deserving of a gift like this? Tell me about your family. What bad thing have you done in your life that this has happened to you? None of that comes across the lips of Jesus. But he just very plainly, he very plainly, I am willing, be cleansed. Just simple, straightforward. And Jesus reaches out and touches this leper. Something you don't do. No observant Jew would do such a thing because if you put your hands on a person with leprosy, not only were you risking gaining leprosy yourself, but you make yourself unclean. You can't go into the temple. You can't go in among people. You've got to set yourself aside to see if leprosy is going to come upon you for a time. But Jesus reaches out and touches the man. But I want you to know, he's not touching a leper anymore. He's touching a man who's cleansed. 
His heart is in it. He reaches and he touches. I think of this a whole lot like those priests when they came to the River Jordan and the Israelites were about to cross that river in its wide stage as they were about to cross and those, those priests who were carrying that Ark of the Covenant as they put their feet out to touch the water, the water stopped, parted, and the land was dry. And as Jesus reaches out and touches this man, he's no longer a leper. He's not a man unclean anymore. I am willing. Be cleansed. And so Jesus told the man then to take care of the business. There were sacrifices to be offered to go and show himself to the priest to prove that he no longer had leprosy and so forth. But he said, but don't make it a public thing. Don't go shouting it from the rooftops. Don't go telling people about this. Just go and take care of the business. And don't tell them where you got it. Friends, when I think about that, you know, we don't usually expect people to do what, believe, what we believe they cannot do. Did I say that right? We don't ask people to do what we think is beyond their ability. We don't ask them to do what we think they cannot do. Yes, many tasks are simple, and almost anyone can take care of that task. Almost anyone can do them. Carry a small item, pick up a piece of trash, open a door, whatever. You can find a whole list of things that are simple that the youngest child or the oldest individual can do. And we do those kind of things. But some tasks require much more. Maybe they require education, some experience, some knowledge, some practice skill. Some training in an area before you ever do it. You know, if you want a doctor to operate on you and do surgery, you kind of like to know that the guy or gal has done that before, has had some training, got a little bit of education along the way, and not in some back alley somewhere. You know, there are things we expect somebody to do and, other, and things that we wouldn't expect the ordinary person to do. I haven't had anybody coming and asking me to do brain surgery lately. There are a few people I'd like to try it on. I won't give their names. And when we ask, and when we ask someone to do something, as this man did, some tasks may not come with a, a definite answer. Maybe they can't come with a definite answer. For mentioning the doctor, the doctor may not be able to tell you you'll be well again. Doctor, am I going to get over this? I don't know. I don't know, he might say. We're going to do our best, they'll often say. We believe we can get a positive outcome out of this. We believe. There's some things when we don't know exactly what it's going to do. You go, a friend comes up and says, I know where there's oil out here, and I'm going to drill for it. Would you like to invest in it? Can he guarantee that there's going to be oil there? Some tasks cannot come with a definite answer. Sometimes we have to seek out others and get others' help in that. But he could go and do as Jesus was telling him. And Jesus could do as he was willing to do. And he alone could do in this case. Yes, there were the common stipulations involved. He needed to go about his business. He expressed himself well and he was going to do as, as it's there. But I want you to go back to the question and the answer again. For we know the question. The question is asking, will you? But notice, and this is the one to take home with us. This is the one to emphasize to ourselves. 
This is the one that hearkens to the very nature, the very character of God in the Son, Christ Jesus. I am willing. I am willing. You see, friends, I think we are a little bit hesitant to ask when we're not sure whether somebody is really willing. We don't like to ask somebody to do something and then be turned down for doing it. We'll hesitate say, I don't know whether he'll do that. I don't know whether she'll do that. I don't know whether that person will do that or not. We're hesitant to ask. And if we know they, the person has been unwilling in the past, then we are even more hesitant about it. But consider another story, if you will. The one that may parallel in some ways this story here. For there was the one who asked of Jesus, when Jesus been asked of Jesus, what's the greatest command? And Jesus turned it back on him and said, you tell me. It's about loving God and loving your neighbor. Well, the person didn't want to be left with that. He said, well, wait, wait, wait. Tell me, who is my neighbor? Probably a debate that gone among many of the, the elite of their time and those who would sit and question about things. So he turns it to Jesus and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus launches into one of the most familiar stories in his ministry. And in that story, there is a priest. And in that story, there is a Levite. And in that story, there's a man that's been left for dead by thieves and robbers and abusers. And the priest, who could have helped him, didn't. And the Levite, who could have helped him, didn't. But another man, in Jesus' story, a Samaritan, saw the man and went above and beyond in his care of the man. And in the end, asked the question, who was the neighbor? The man who rendered aid. I am willing are the words. I am willing. Notice, notice the, the importance of that willingness. Notice the importance of the desire and the willingness to do the job. I am willing be cleansed. It's not just like, well, come back later. When I've got time, I am willing be cleansed. The importance of the desire to do it and to do it effectively and even to do it immediately. And we notice that. And the desire is turned around and it comes back in our direction as well. And the willingness of the Lord lays upon us and how should we respond to it? For Jesus said, if anyone could, would come after me, let him deny the cross, deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. If any desires to come after me, if your desire is there, you'll do it. And there are other times that it comes out and maybe not so plainly stated, even to being an elder, a leader in the Lord's church. It says, and if a man desires the work, 1 Timothy 3, note the importance of the desire. And Jesus' desire was to do this and take care of that man. And so I want, I want you to think about that. And as I said, this is where it comes to you and me. I think there are two sides Two sides to this idea of willingness. Two sides to this idea of I am willing. There's God's willingness to do for us. That one's pretty obvious. That we're even here today 
ties into God's willingness to do for us. He goes above and beyond for us in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our inconsistencies. God maintains who he is and what he does for us continuously. Paul would write about the grace of God that is given to us through Christ Jesus. When we were without strength, he said. And he goes on to say, and he demonstrates his love for us even while we were yet sinners. Undeserving, he was still willing for us. He was willing to restore the seemingly unrestorable and still is today. That's why his disciples, Jesus' disciples would ask him in Matthew 19 when the rich young man walks away sorrowfully and then the disciples begin to ask, who then can be saved? Remember Jesus' response and it ought to dwell on us. It ought to be hard to press upon us when the man walks away and they want to know who then can be saved. Jesus' response is plain. With men it's impossible. But the other end, with God, all things are possible. The restoring the unrestorable. God's willingness to do for us. He has consistently shown his willingness to do for us and never more than in the giving of Jesus. But the other side, the other side of it is our willingness to do for others. For when we truly learn, and we need to learn that we are truly blessed that's when we may bless others. I've often liked the story of Jonah, which is a troubling story in its own way. But you recognize that Jonah, when he is cast overboard from the boat and he is swallowed by the great fish, God saves him. He was restored. He was blessed so that he could bless others. The examples are many. The teaching is plentiful. I thought, to what would we recognize? Paul talked about the Macedonian Christians. 2 Corinthians 8. Who gave above and beyond what they would have considered would have been expected of them. They gave beyond what you would consider their ability to do. Why? Because they truly gave themselves to it. What does that spell? It spells willingness. And the lesson has taught long ago for the very meaning behind the idea of Pentecost. And isn't it interesting that Pentecost would be when the church has this great beginning and the gospel is preached. The Feast of Weeks is a recognition The Feast of Weeks or Pentecost is the recognition of what God has done. Go back to Deuteronomy. God has done that we might know how blessed we truly are to be able to teach it and share it with others. Go back and read Deuteronomy 16, and you'll know exactly what I'm saying. For I believe, friends, the key to willingness is recognizing how fortunate we are. For there are two ways we can go with fortune that comes our way. We can become selfish and closed in, greedy in that sense, or more likely and better, that we become in a recognition of our blessings and prosperity of whatever level it might be, those who give. Give as they are prosper. That's what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 16. Gives they are prospered. God loves those who give, it says in 2 Corinthians 9. 
our willingness to do for others, drawing from the example of God's willingness to do for us. For friends, it is about how we see, how we see what is around us, how we see our world, how we see people. We may see it one way or we may see it another. Which picture do you see? You know what I mean? The puzzles are out there all the time. I know, you're looking to figure out what you can see and so forth. But that's the whole point, isn't it? What do you see in the picture around you every day? I think about how in Mark 6, the disciples saw a crowd that needed something and they wanted them to go away. And Jesus saw a crowd that needed something. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And he said, let's feed them. Let's feed those people. He saw the need and he responded to the need. Well, to wrap it up, and that's where exactly we are, and you get it. God's willingness is there. Jesus' willingness is there. And the question about our willingness as well. Perhaps the, the phrase is well-worn, but it should remain with us when we are challenged and struggling with what we should do. I think it's still important that we ask. You've seen the bracelets. You've seen the necklaces. You've seen it in print. For as Charles Sheldon put it out well over a hundred years ago, what would Jesus do? And if you want to make it personal, what would Jesus have me to do? So the question really is, and the statement is there, if you are willing, are you willing? That's what we're saying. We're going to sing a song of encouragement this morning. Perhaps there is someone who would or need to respond this morning publicly. If you do, let us pray with you. Let us exhort you. If you need to be baptized, not been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, the opportunity is yours this very morning. We'd gladly share that time with you. But if you have a need this morning, let us encourage you. Let us help you. And if there's something that goes beyond this and you still need help, please let us be a part of that. But if you need to respond this morning, please do so while we stand and while we